The Learning Geeks are back live, and we are chatting with our good friend, Tad Leckman. It's going to be a smorgasbord. We're going to talk about a lot of different things, and you can join us in that starting on The Learning Geeks right now. That's the time where we come in and start talking again. Hello, everybody. It's good to see you. Hey, good to see you. Hello. Hey. And we actually do see each other. Even, yes. Even though the people on the podcast don't see us. That's right. That's so, right. so it's good to see yeah. you each on the video screen. And it is. it's good to talk to the people who are listening to the podcast. Hey, Bob. That's right. <laughs> so when we each show our, our T-shirts... Oh, they can't yes. see it, but I think we're on it. We've got a, a full. Let's see. It's full Star, Star Wars shirt. Shocker. Yes. <laughs> oh, very nice, Jake. <laughs> Bounty Hunter shirt on. <laughs> it is so great. Great. But uh, Tad's is the most official. So let me reintroduce our friend Tad Leckman. Uh, Tad and I met five years ago, I'm thinking, Tad. I think that's right. Yeah, we were working Longer? together at a game company. We were both involved in the learning side, but working at a game company. Uh, we're also both interested in games for learning, but we're probably not going to talk about games for learning today. <laughs> we have some other stuff we'll probably talk about. We'll see where we go, and we will definitely do a games for learning. Um, we, we should get Tad and Carl Cobb. I was just thinking that same thing. Oh, mm -hmm. That'd be great. Oh, that would be yeah, really, really we'll, we'll, we'll do that. Carl will be glad we'll to jump that. on with this again. Hey, Carl, hope yeah. you're listening. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. <laughs> uh, but here's what we want to talk about. So, so Tad right now, uh, among the many hats that he is wearing, uh, is a professor at the UC of Santa Cruz, University of California, Santa Cruz, in their game design department. That's not the official name of it. Uh, no. Playable media? No. Arts, games, and playable media is one. And I also teach, the engineering program has another program in their computational media department. So I actually teach across two different game design programs at UCSC. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so Tad had dropped me an email this last week and was basically saying, hey, we're learning some stuff about how remote learning works in the university setting and wanted to compare notes with what we are learning in the corporate learning setting. And... I was just about to reply back and I said, why don't we just have you on the show and we will do a live podcast. So usually when we have a guest, it's kind of interviewee and we have this all planned out in advance and, you know, not Jake today. And, and I plan a little bit of like, well, I'm going to ask this and all that kind of stuff. Uh, this is very open. In fact, Tad, you might even be the main driver of this because I know you said you had some notes of things yeah. that you were wanting to talk about. So, um, we're just going to discuss and kind of see where things go. Yeah. I think when I reached out to you, it was kind of a need to do some learning shop talk about yeah. all the things that I was encountering and also to pick up on some work and some conversations that you and I had had at that game studio as we were you know, working actively on remote learning for people who were at different parts right. of the studio. Obviously, the work that you and I have done since kind of consulting together has also been largely remote work. Um, but the remote learning thing, so many of my peers in higher education, just we all just kind of got dumped into this with no prep, very few tools. It was um, like you have to start tomorrow. Basically, we're, we're, and that we're was, shutting down the campus. You have to start tomorrow. And that was our that was, I think, the initial complaint that most of us happened had because at our school is on quarters. This we were told basically like two weeks before spring quarter started. And 
right before our one week of spring break. So all the faculty basically spent our week of spring break trying to figure out how we were going to deliver our classes online. Um, and Fun. they didn't delay the start at all. Even, you know, my daughter, same, she's in high school. So she's, um, you know, her high school teachers got a week. They delayed the start of the quarter by, or the, the year by mm -hmm. a week so they could get started. And we got no such luxury. <laughs> so Tad, did, did you find that, um, sometimes they say misery loves company. Did you find that uh, a lot of the other professors were all figuring, trying to figure out together or did, was it kind of, they figured it out by departments or in isolation or well, how did that, how did that happen? It has been largely, I think everyone's been kind of on their own. Even our really good instructional technology team didn't really even start providing any kind of guidelines or, or any tools for us until like weeks into the quarter. Um, so we were all kind of scrambling on our own. And then, you know, we did set up a Discord server where we could kind of talk and share tips and things we were learning. And, you know, I was posting all of my handbrake compression schemes that I knew would produce the right video to upload to Canvas. And um, so we did do some of that, but like we've been lamenting the fact that uh, a lot of our discussions about pedagogy and teaching that we're having on Discord and kind of in fractured remote conversations, asynchronous conversations, we never really had time to do when we were like teaching on site. Um, right. So it's been a it's been a combination, Dana. How the student engagement going? Yeah. Well, so that's um, that has been, I think, one of the biggest challenges for me, but also too. Um, our students all got dispersed. So they, without any notice, had to become remote learners sometimes for the first time. So, you know, they're all digital natives, but they're not all digital learners necessarily. So some of them went home. Some of them are still on campus, like sequestered away on the dorms. They, some of them live, you know, we're, a. um, uh, a state-run liberal arts college so that we have students from all economic backgrounds and all means. And so some of them have no good computer at home. They've got really bad internet. All They're dealing with their own loss of income if they were working here in Santa Cruz and now they're not here anymore. Their jobs are gone. Their parents don't have income. Like it's the amount of kind of barriers and um, issues that the students have on top of just a new learning mode has been really, really challenging. And that's all that's happening with all the faculty as well. It just so happens uh, that my son Jackson is one of Tad's, <laughs> is a <laughs> is a full-time student at the UC of Santa Cruz in one of Tad's departments uh, by a complete coincidence. Um, although Tad did a lovely job of touring us through UC Santa Cruz <laughs> when we were deciding on where he was going to go. Um, we had a similar experience, right? So I was actually driving up to pick up my son for spring break because they said, hey, you know what? If you're not planning on going home for spring break, you should go ahead and, and plan on heading home. He was going to fly down, but he had a few days spare. We're like, you know, we're going to come and get you just to get you out of there early. Um, and literally on the way while I was driving to Santa Cruz, we got the email that said, no, we're shut down for the rest of the semester. So that trip changed from hey, throw some stuff in the car, you're coming home for a week to get everything packed, you're moving out of the dorm. Mm -hmm. uh, and we did that in one night. And so, you know, he is back here. He is living in our guest room. Our our empty nest is half full again. Um, 
He did have an interesting experience that the new laptop that we had bought him just before he started his freshman year, Hmm. uh, the webcam never worked. There was always a problem with the webcam. And all of a sudden it was like that went from a nice to have to a need to have in an all Zoom environment. Yeah. So he had to go through and send that back and get that fixed and borrow my gaming laptop until he Mm -hmm. uh, was able to get that fixed. But they were saying it was going to be months and months to fix. He had to send them an email that said, hey, I am a student in in a game development. I need a high powered laptop. Yeah. Send me something. And they were able to do it. So, you know, that's just one story. But there's just a lot of these things that you don't expect would be issues yeah. are now issues now that we have well, to take care of. There's also, in in my circumstance, I've got two daughters who were in school out at uh, BYU. And mm-hmm. they we decided to leave them out there. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that, that's worked out fine. But my youngest daughter... She said that she had this mindset of when she's on campus, she's a student. When she's in her dorm, she she could study if she wants. But for the most part, that's like social and all of the. And yeah, once she's in a different circumstance, she's a student twenty four seven, and mm-hmm. and that, so there's the psychological aspect of it too that I'm yeah. sure is playing with a lot of the students. Well, and and that's seriously the hardest thing I think for anybody that hasn't done any type of remote working or right. remote learning at all. I mean, a lot of us, uh, well, at least the three of us I know yeah. have done remote working yeah. for quite a bit, right? Um, I'm very used to having my office. This is my space. I know when I come in here, this is like my, I even segment my, create my office where I know where my working space is. I have a little area over my right where here's my creative thinking time area. Yeah. Like I've been able to, you know, understand and figure that out. But my wife is a teacher, fourth grade teacher, and my daughter is kindergarten and they went from complete remote working. My wife, you know, can't stand it. She still can't figure it out. Yeah. Um, well, she could figure it out, but it's still very hard for her psychological yeah. from getting into the environment of she just she looks outside in the patio and like, I just want to go out there and read a book, you know, but yeah. it's very tough. It's a it's it's a weird overlap of so many people now having to kind of jump into work at home students and including faculty, too. So. Imagine being someone who's been told you need to start teaching your your lecture class in Zoom. You don't have a webcam. So jump onto Amazon. Oh, here we go. Here's a Logitech camera. Wait, it's $400 used on Amazon. (laughs) Or you can get a new one for $100, but it's not going to be here until the end of June. Yep. Um, So so some of the faculty have just been dealing with just basic technical things in addition to I'm used to being in a classroom and being on and being in delivering learning mode versus, you know, I'm doing laundry in between like classes and that switching, switching thought modes. And I think too, it gets back to one of the things I want to talk about too, which is the concentration fatigue that a lot of people are now experiencing for the first time. My mm-hmm. wife has hearing impairment. I've Listen to her talk about this for years, about the the exhaustion of being in a big meeting where she can't hear everyone clearly or where she's having to read lips. She went out in public for the first time in weeks to go to the doctor and realized everyone's got their mouths covered. She yeah. can't read lips now. So yeah. now I have a more full understanding of just the extra exhaustion of having to parse you know, people's faces arranged in a weird way on a screen. 
too small to get all the expression changes that you're the cues that you're used to. Um, I, I had originally, um, I had originally identified my exhaustion after teaching and dealing with my students online as a kind of uh, exhaustion from like generational code switching. I mm-hmm. have to, I have to speak and interpret language differently when I'm working with my students. They have different contexts. They have different language. They speak in memes. I can do that, but it is work. And I assume there's some amount of work for them to do the same with me. To add on top of that, just the concentration fatigue of the form, um, not only am I working more than I usually do in a normal quarter, but it's exhausting work. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so how are you coping, Tad? What, what have you learned to help you get through that? Well, so taking breaks, going outside, um, you know, and I also have a weird combination of classes this quarter. So I'm teaching a large lecture class. So it's like a large survey class, mostly with freshmen. That's 300 students. So two lectures a week for an hour and a half. And I'm also teaching the senior capstone class which is 150 seniors who are working collaboratively on teams to finish games that they've been making together for six months. This is like mm-hmm. the getting over the finish line. That is all like meetings and critique and one-on-one. So yesterday afternoon, I had seven 20-minute meetings with game teams over Zoom. And originally on campus, like I would have just done them back to back to back to back to back. Yeah. I can't do that now. None of us can. So we all, all the instructors in that class got together and said, you know what, let's make a schedule where it has 15 minutes of decompression time in between each one. And that's been hugely helpful. Um, but it's still like the, the answer is I'm not coping with it. Great. I am mm. exhausted. Um, and you know, a lot of us are rolling into having to teach in the summer. And again, we'll have like a week, <laughs> to get ready mm-hmm. to teach those classes. Yeah. Um, and it's been really great because as you know, I'm trying to coach my students in self-care and really making sure that they're, you know, watching themselves and and taking care of themselves. I'm getting students who are now coming back at me um, on Twitter saying like, hey, remember when you told me to take breaks? Like, you should do that too, Tad. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's good that it's working, that they're hearing the message. And it's actually been very helpful for them to kind of remind me like, hey, because we, when we all started, faculty and students alike, we all kind of um, singly and as a group decided like, like the number one goal for all of our classes for this quarter is to get through this quarter and to just get through my seniors are also dealing with, they're not going to have a commencement, really. We're going to yeah. work on some online celebrations for them, which yep. will be fine, but it's not the same. And, you know, I work with lots of seniors. I always am dealing with students stressed out about finding a job, coaching sure. them on applying for jobs. And now it's just like, oh, it's like this this void that they're going out into that they really have, you know, no idea what they're going to do. That's hard for me to coach them because I don't know what to tell them. So, so Tad, a question about content. I loved your example of the capstone because that, you know, lectures are one thing, but when you start Mm -hmm. doing project work, that's different. Uh, Have you seen from some of your other faculty ways that they've handled 
um, going online with something, you know, lab work or Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, the capstone or other things. Are there, have you seen any other creative solutions? Um, So one of the things actually, some of the solutions that our students have come up with um, that I instantly understand and I'm glad they're working. So those teams in this capstone project they all would normally be sitting together in the computer lab, staking out a space and basically making like a little production space for themselves. And they would have work sessions and they would work for like four hours, two days a week together. So now they're all doing their individual work, but they've got Discord open with a voice channel and they're just there. It's like watching a movie with somebody on Netflix, you know, with a group of friends. Um, that has been helpful. But the that lab work, that hands-on I'm going to walk around and give you feedback on your work as you do it. Like that's really hard. Screen sharing has been fairly helpful. Um, But um, like there are, you know, mechanical engineering classes on campus that are having to figure out how to do this. Um, There are chemistry classes that are trying to figure out how to do labs remotely. Um, And there are just some classes that, you know, at our institution are just not going to be able to be taught. Um, those are likely to be the first ones that will do socially distant on-site teaching. The ones that are just absolutely like you have to be in this lab and we'll put, you know, we'll use every other bench um, mm-hmm. and everyone will be safe. But it's still like that has been, I think that is the hardest, the hardest problem to solve, Dana, is how do you do that? What would normally be kind of one-on-one feedback over the shoulder? Basically, it's meant it's mentorship. It's the mentorship. Mm-hmm. It's the it's that feedback. And that you know, assessment and feedback and iteration. Um, what's been nice is because that's all we've been teaching our game students their entire time in our program is game development is an iterative process and right. you try something and then you improve it. So when we're doing that, like I actively do that in when I teach and I let them know like, hey, I'm trying something new right now. <laughs> I'd like your <laughs> feedback on whether this works. Yeah. Um, they're getting a lot of And that. it seems like it's there's cool. an openness to that, right? Everybody's like, okay, For you're, sure. you're not seeing a sanitary office behind me in the video. You're seeing my cluttered mess, my kids coming in. So everything's gotten this, yeah, the dogs, the cats. Um, so you've gotten this uh, almost a, another different dimension of humanity that we haven't had before in the virtual space. And I'll give you a really good example. So yesterday, so I've had to do a lot of work. Bob knows this about my presentation style. My I use Keynote because I can do full HD video on the slides and I can stop a movie and pause and talk about it and then keep going. But it's all like I, if like I hate to describe something with speech if I can show it. Right. And I hate mm-hmm. to show a still if I can show a moving example. So I've had to learn how to make Zoom able to play reliably my video. So it means like you know, the magic secret for everybody out there is scaling the movies to the resolution that the monitor is going to be at and that Zoom expects so that it's not doing any scaling of anything. It's all just yeah. going through, which mm-hmm. is a lot of extra time for me to recompress all my movies to a different size. So I've been, it's been working pretty well. Again, the students have been like helping me figure out like what's working, but so many variables like, is it my network? Is it there 300 different network connections? Like, why am I dropping frames? So I thought I had it figured out. It's been working really well for the last couple of weeks. Yesterday's lecture, I think I hadn't recompressed all my movies. So I'm like 20 minutes into class and chat, which we should, I want to come back to talking about having live chat in a class 
because yeah. that's mm-hmm. been fantastic. Chats just like me are like, lag, you're frozen, it's not working. And so I was like, okay, let's stop. And so I spent like five minutes trying to troubleshoot it. And they're like, hey, what if we jumped on Twitch? Hey, what if you just sent us links to the yeah. movies? Like, it was great. And I was like, they were they were rooting for me yeah. to solve this problem. <laughs> right. Um, and there, and I got this flood of like, we really appreciate your, appreciate your trying to make this a good experience for us. And so my solution was basically like, I'm going to cancel live class. I'm going to pre-record this one and post uh-huh. it later today. And they were bummed. I was like, wow, okay. I didn't know this was working that well as a synchronous uh, experience, but it's um, that you're right, Dana. It is a, it is a different situation. They are looking at me in my house. Um, they are seeing pets go by. They are seeing, you know, and, but also it means I like, I can grab a board game out of the board game closet and hold it up to the camera and use it yeah. as an example. Like right, right. I couldn't do yep. that in the classroom. Yeah. Um, but the, but I do want to talk about chat because that was something that um, if I take a step back, jumping into this under duress and with no time to prepare, like all of, like all of my peers, um, you know, I built it my first online class in like 2003. I've built several at different universities um, and, you know, I've done Twitch streaming before and I'm very comfortable. I like, I have all the stuff. Um, but, um, you know, I don't think I was quite, I don't think I quite understood what it, what it would mean to jump on a camera in a live stream with 300 students, all of whom, some who have cameras, some who don't, some who have microphones, some who don't. Um, and you know, I had done chat. I had monitored chat on a Twitch stream for a game studio multiple times. And I know how bad that can be. (laughs) We can stop there. Yes, exactly. Um, Hostile. But correct. That is a good, that is a good, a good word. Um, But what I hadn't realized was how much of the work that would do for making up for the loss of that feedback on engagement in my classroom. I like, I can't see if the point I'm making is getting across I can't see if the joke I made landed. Like I feel for all of the late night <laughs> talk show hosts who were there. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so just having chat going in the side and having students there. Also, because I've done Twitch and watch Twitch, um, unlike a lot of my peers, like I understood how to use it. So like if I'm having a technical problem, like, hey, chat, can you hear me? Okay. Hey, like I'll address the class as chat and they know what that means. And I know what that means from Twitch land. Um, But I didn't expect it to be as effective as a way to gauge engagement from my class. And it's been really, really good. That's really, that's very encouraging. That's really cool. And that's something I hadn't really thought of that much before, but, and there's a generational aspect to that too. I mean, when you're talking about Twitch chat, yeah. Like not only is that um let's say verbose yeah. like continual stream on Twitch chat is like its own language. It is. I mean like there are conventions of like little mini memes and emojis and things like that that mean something on Twitch that mean nothing if you don't know the language. And it makes me think that 
if what you're saying is correct, and this does continue to be like the main way that feedback is going to come back from a student mm-hmm. to an instructor, um, there's going to be a language that's going to continue to evolve. Conventions are going to evolve. Y- your convention of addressing it as chat, uh, yeah. you know, kind of asking for feedback by saying, chat, what do you think? Um, it's interesting. It's just fascinating to think of where that would go and how we can leverage that uh, to yeah. make better learning experiences. In the you future. know, and we're using Zoom, not Twitch, but the students are used to Twitch. So right. in chat, they're they're doing exactly what you're saying, Bob. They're they're using the commands they would type in Twitch chat to bring up an emote. They're using them in Zoom, even though that the emote doesn't come up because they know everyone knows what it means when they type pog. Right. <laughs> I happen to know what pog meant. Um, but I can imagine if you didn't, you would be wondering why you just said something and all of a sudden chat is filled with pog, 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 which just means you're, you did a great job. Like it's a positive affirmative that would bring up an excited face emoticon, but it's not happening. So it, but again, I keep thinking about my peers who don't know what that means. Um, I, I, in multiple conversations with other instructors, I keep thinking about, you know, when I would go into lecture in our big lecture halls on campus, oftentimes, you know, I always would stop and chat with a professor who was in there before me. And oftentimes it was an older professor who is, you know, putting away their transparencies and their wet erase markers and taking them off the overhead projector. And we'll talk and I'm setting up my, you know, my laptop and my, you know, game controllers and stuff. Um, And I just think about how is that professor dealing with this? In, in one way, they may actually be the best prepared because they're just they're still just showing you how to do algebra on an overhead projector. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. They actually don't need streaming video to not drop frames and play at 60 frames a second. <laughs> right. But the, that for me is just uh, an indicator of the broad range of experience that all, all um, instructors of all kinds have. Um, that then needs to get mapped on all the different tools that are available to us that we are either have the choice of using or have to decide to use. Um, I actually am doing office hours. So appointment office hours for me, I've got a Google calendar set up with appointments that they can sign up for, for one-on-one. So it's like come to Tad's office and we'll talk about things. If you've got things you want to talk about one-on-one, but I also do an hour of Twitch streaming every week as just general purpose, like come and talk to me about like I'll tell stories and like the other stuff that happens in office hours where people want advice on being a dungeon master or whatever. And I'm just doing that on Twitch. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, I get 10, 10 viewers a week for my hour and you know, I'll, I'll put the, I'll set up the camera in the barn and I'll just sit in the shade at the barn with horses over my shoulders and the students love that. But um, again, it's Dana, you're right. It's just trying stuff. It's like trying stuff and seeing what, what works, but there's so many things to try. Like it's right it's too, too many things. It's too many well, things. We've, we've been talking a lot too. like our people, especially even everybody working across the board, not just our people, but we are going through a decade almost of change management in a matter mm. of two, three months. And oh, that's <laughs> a really good point. You know yeah. what I mean, and the how how much we are changing and we're adapting. Um, if I think back to three three months ago, right before all this, majority of the people I talked with had no idea what the heck Zoom was, and now it's a household name. 
yeah. right? It's a, I mean, for a lot of us who work remotely, we know what that, that application was. And there's just, I, I've seen even in the uh, elementary education with my wife and, and her friends, I've seen the approaches that they've taken from the first day, which again, clueless, had no idea what they're doing, but again, understandable to now where people are just trying the most creative things that, I mean, that even myself, I'm starting to look at and adapt and like, hmm, I never thought of that for, for, and I've been doing virtual learning for eight years or so. Yeah. You know, it's been a long time. So it's been pretty interesting how fast people are innovating and thinking differently. But again, to your point, Dad, like people are just trying stuff. And luckily, the participants or the learners behind the scenes are actually okay with it. And they're yeah. Well, they're collaborating, yeah, right? Like exactly. that's what I got from your story, Ted, is, is the learner is collaborating to try to create the learning environment, which is super exciting. Yeah. And, and I was tying that back to something else that we emailed about, Tad, which is that there's still a mindset. I, I, I'm paraphrasing your words, and these aren't exactly your words, but that there's still a mindset with some faculty that the biggest obstacle to overcome is, is preventing cheating. Oh, yeah. Right. We haven't talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like that makes me sad because. Yes. I know from the student in the room next door to where I am right now. <laughs> right. Like he doesn't really care about his grades as much. He wants to learn the skills that he needs to learn to build games. That is yeah. what is driving him. And so he is absolutely invested in creating the best learning experience that he can. Yeah, and that's what we should be encouraging, which is what we like want. Yeah, right, we want yeah. that. But how do we help? You know, maybe people who are a little more old school, a little more traditional, in a academic setting, who are very concerned about the kind of the game of academia, mm -hmm. also shift to that mindset that again, it's about learning. It's not about the grades and the scores and all of that kind of stuff. Well, that's a bigger conversation about academia <laughs> and grading and, but I think the, the, the thing that happened that made me bring that up with you was just, we did immediately start like the faculty email list instantly filled with like, okay, I need help with this, this, and this, but it did very quickly. And, and to be fair, a lot of this conversation was coming from folks who are teaching kind of pure engineering classes and the classes that are a little more, um, you know, right answer based. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, many students are taking because it's a requirement. It's not a passion of theirs. They just were told they have to take pre-calc or, you know, whatever engineering class they have to take or are doing one, they have to do one programming class and it's the hardest thing they've ever done. However, it was shocking because this conversation started about how do I proctor online exams? Like how do I, and then it turned into, here's some tools that do creepy things that mm -hmm. open up the webcam and monitor the students while they take the, the thing. And then people start saying like, actually, legally, we can't do that. Yeah. Um, and so it was, you know, it, it turned into a discussion about like time tests and stuff. And there were a few of us who were like trying to chime in like, hey, also, you could just assume our students are going to do the right thing. Um, <laughs> or like, you know, trust our students to, you know, try. Um it was a little discouraging, but I think it was tempered, like you said, by things I was seeing in my interactions with students where that was the least of my concerns. 
Um, you know, my main concern isn't students cheating. My main concern is students disengaging from a class, drifting off, yeah, not yeah. kind of not being able to get kind of the normal, um, like, you know, uh, catch the noticing that a TA or myself or other faculty would notice like, Hey, have you talked to this student? I think they're not like something might be happening with them. That's still happening, but I, I fear for students who are just overwhelmed. Again, we talked about their situations at home, their situation, their living situations are all in turmoil. Um, you know, the last thing in the world they need to do right now is figure out how to pass an exam or do a project for me. Um, so right. it's, and lots of students deciding right now, like, do I go back to school in the fall? Um, I'm going to have a whole new round of freshmen for whom their first quarter at my university will be not at the university in all likelihood. Um, it's It's been also um, somewhat discouraging to see that juxtaposition of faculty and students working hard to kind of experiment and try and help each other make this work. And then in large part, the administration really not showing any um, interest in helping with that, um, that mostly being focused on making sure we get our grades in, in on time, making sure that all the kind of uh, administrative things happen properly um, rather than, oh wait, also how's the learning going? I wonder if part of that is because of accreditation. Perhaps, I'm sure that's a big, a big thing at some, uh, at some institutions. I think it's, it's probably less, uh, a consideration at a UC. Um, however, um, you know, Berkeley, uh, their engineering department, uh, gave all faculty the ability to make any class pass, no pass rather than a grade to kind of take some of that pressure off. Also to help level the playing field for students who don't have the technology to be an A student anymore, but they can just barely get through to be a C. Great, you pass. Like, And we talked about that in my department and we talked about that in other places. And it, you know, UC just basically overall, UCSC said basically like, well, if you can do it, you can. But, you know, students are wondering about like, how does that affect my grade point average? Like I actually need a certain grade point average to get financial aid. Um, or some students like, have families who are very focused on grades. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that that other stream of financial aid from their family may also be in jeopardy if their grade point average suffers. Right. Um, so it's, yeah. It's a challenge. It is. But, may, but maybe it's an opportunity to make a shift. Well, um, and the other, you know, the other thing that we t- teach our students in game program all the time is constraints breed creativity and right, embrace constraints. Right. And so again, it's another thing we've been teaching them that we need to kind of live by, <laughs> especially now. <laughs> now you've got to do it. Yes, correct. Well, guys, looking at the clock on the studio wall, this has been a great conversation and I don't feel like we're anywhere close to being done. <laughs> so I'm going to suggest, uh, I, I think we all have to drop off. Uh, I'm going to suggest that let's get back together like next week or so. And let's part two this conversation. And so that will be our next Learning Geeks podcast episode. What do you guys say? Sounds great. Sounds good. Yeah. Sound good? Okay. Tad, thanks for joining us. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Tad. Good to see you in here. Thanks for talking shop. We went through the whole (laughs) thing and we didn't even talk about the Star Wars stuff. So we have part two. We can do part two and then an after show. After show. That's okay. That's the plan. Okay. Well, let's, and maybe we could do this. We could make this an assignment for our listeners because, oh, yeah. Because, uh, 
the show that's running on Disney Plus right now, which is called Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, and it is like behind the scenes of the show, The Mandalorian. I am seeing so many applications between that whole show and what we do. And it's largely because I think John Favreau is the world champion learner. I've talked about that on this podcast many times. He yeah. is. And you're just seeing him learning stuff, which is amazing. Uh, but the one episode in particular that premiered today when we're recording this, uh, it's called Technology. And it's all about the revolu- absolutely revolutionary technology. It is like a completely new door opening on filmmaking. Yeah. Um, I think there's some interesting applications between how they are revolutionizing filmmaking that we can be inspired by, especially given the circumstances of life today in innovating learning experiences and doing them online and things like that. So your assignment as a listener to The Learning Geeks, try watching that show. There's half hour episodes. They're really quick, but definitely watch the technology one. And then we'll talk about that next week. Hey, can I throw one more assignment out there? I think based on, okay. based on our discussion with Tad, I think everybody should take an opportunity to thank a teacher. <laughs> or, yes. or, or a professor <laughs> yes. or someone who has gone through, you know, trying to help our kids be smarter. Or, I like that. So I, I think uh, kudos to teachers. <laughs> and thank you, Tad, because oh, you are having a direct impact <laughs> on somebody <laughs> in my family. And I don't think roommate. my son is in any of your classes, just <laughs> oh, to make sure be. everybody knows. At, at this point, he's not, but uh, yeah. but we do really It's going to happen. So thank no you. No problem. All right, everyone, uh, we will see you back next week. In the meantime, for Tad and Jake and Dana, this is Bob signing off. Thanks for joining us on The Learning Geeks, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. All right. Thanks, Thanks. everybody. How do you write that in Arubesh?